This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Welcome to this edition of Property Jam, where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And on today's episode, uh, we are in for a special treat. Uh, just in the 10 minutes before we started recording, we've already put the world to rights. Uh, we've learned about geography and uh, yeah, the, 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 the Midlands or wherever it is. I don't know where you live, Dylan. But we- <laughs> Not even the Midlands. Lakes. There's lakes, there's water. Yeah, yeah, you just live in the Living ocean, on a paddleboard at the moment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, got- so we have um, the fantastic Dylan Dinesh is joining us. So over to you, Dylan. Who are you and why are you here? Uh, thank you, Matt Nile Snuggler. Brilliant to have you here and brilliant to be here. So um, I'm Dylan Dinesh, founder at Legacy Makers, uh, host of the soon-to-be-published Awakened Wealth podcast, and soon-to-be best-selling author of a book that I don't quite have the title for yet, but the working title, if I might share that, is Three-Sided Coin, Ooh. The Mindset, Method, Ooh. and Mechanics of Money Mastery. So Ooh, we are, nice. thank you very much. So look, we're in the space of helping entrepreneurs, heart-led entrepreneurs, to get their finances sorted. So how do you make numbers and wealth more acceptable and less alien for entrepreneurs who really don't place money at the top of their list of priorities? That's kind of where, where we are at Legacy Makers. Oh, well, that does exactly what it says on the tin. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> You've got That's a fan. Like... <laughs> Sign me up. That's awesome. <laughs> how did you get started in that? Like, where did that come from? Um, so... To to cut a very long story short, I kind of ended my corporate career with a stint of volunteering in Rwanda in 2011. So we're talking like we're nine years ago. And in November 2011, I decided I'm going to give up all of my consulting work and volunteer for UNECA, United Nations Economic Commission for Africa. My background is economics, macro, micro, behavioral economics, finance, wealth, financial services, trading, all of that kind of cool stuff. Um, but I, I'd just fallen out of love with everything to do with money. And I remember leaving home and saying to my mum, uh, there, there are more important things to worry about than money. And like, how weird is it that in the Indian culture, uh, we have a goddess of wealth, like uh, how conceited can you get? And there's more important things to worry about than money. And, and I'm off. Um, and my dad said something along the lines of, uh, look, you can't help the poor by being poor. I'll see you in a few months um, and we'll take it from there. And I love my parents to pieces. They came here as refugees in the 70s. Uh, so that we've, I've seen the struggle for money. Um, and, and sure enough, I came back after this period of volunteering, having given all my money away uh, like an idiot and having to essentially hitchhike back from Rwanda to Kenya, where my international flight was, because I didn't have any money to buy my internal flight. And so at that point in time, I, I was just... It's not a sob story because it was all self-inflicted. All the pain I've ever experienced has been utterly self-inflicted. I've lived a very privileged life, but chosen to fuck it all up myself. So um, <laughs> at, that, at that point in time, I'm, you know, 
self-inflicted, spiritually, financially, emotionally, physically broken, um, and had to build, had to pick things back up. I had to reconcile like this, this, this idea of am I somebody that makes money and creates wealth, or am I somebody that um, makes a difference and creates an impact? And I couldn't reconcile either of those right through my twenties, through to my early thirties, um, but knew that the answer was in the reconciliation of making money and making a difference. And I've done loads of stuff since then. So it's only, the mission seems very clear and lucid now, uh, but actually there's been a lot of um, fogginess, shall we say, over the last few years, deciding on which way to go and, and how best to help people. Um, so that's kind of, that wasn't a, a long story short at all, was it? That was a long ramble monologue. But I enjoyed we've it. Got, yeah, we've got a lot of interesting nuggets in there though. Yeah. My favourite is you just completely slating, you know, um, one of the Indian faiths and going, God, how conceited, a goddess of wealth. It's crazy. Like that. And, and isn't it, the, the irony of the whole thing is that um, the Awakened Wealth podcast, soon to be released, um, and this whole um, Awakened Wealth philosophy now is, is exactly based on um, the Vedic definition of wealth. Amazing. And that's the irony of it, that I kind of started my journey almost blaspheming, if you like, and then Rejecting I returned back home, tail between my legs, broken, with my mum then continuing the conversation where she'd picked up on before I went to Rwanda. It was almost as if I was sat in the living room in the same place. But now I'm 100 grand down, uh, two stone heavier, but emotionally in tatters. Um, and she picked the conversation up. Uh, remember what you said, Dylan, about the, uh, the the goddess of money. Well, actually, she's not the goddess of money. And if you'd spent any time in your teenage years listening to what I had to say to you, you would have understood that she's the goddess of wealth. And wealth in its beautiful 16 forms um, has money as just one small part of it, and impact, and legacy, and contribution. Um, and, and, and all of these other formats of wealth. So the irony is that we have come full circle uh, back to a, a deeper understanding of what wealth really is. And, and, and that's also, where wealth philosophy comes from. I'd say the lesson learned is that your mother's always right. I, do you know, I, we had our <laughs> tribal gathering this morning um, on Zoom. We do a, a weekly tribal gathering at Legacy Makers. And uh, it's the second time I've heard that. So there must be something in there. <laughs> And generally they are right, you know, generally they are right, except when they're operating from um, some level of, of fear. Uh, and I think yes. everybody's right when we're operating from a place of faith, some level of faith in something. But I think when we're operating from a filter of fear, will oh. it happen for me? Will I be good enough? Um, you know, am I good enough? I think that's when we start to get things hugely wrong. Totally. Mm -hmm. I think my yeah. parents are permanently in a fear state, bless them. They're continuously worrying and frightened about absolutely everything, especially COVID-19 at the moment. Gosh, wow, that's a story and a half, man. Wow. It's, it, it, as I said, it, it was not planned at all. If it was planned, I think I'd be doing much better with my life than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all guilty of that. I think, yeah, I think we're all be guilty of that, right, yes. Right, right. But I think maybe... Looking at, obviously, coming on to the podcast here, um, what does the human side of property look like to you? I might just broaden that out, Niall, if that's all right. Um, Go with it. Do what so you want. The, the human side of anything, <laughs> the human side of anything, and actually the human side of everything, I think, um, is defined by how much you are able to contribute to people, planet, flora, and fauna. And not just how much you're able to contribute, like in one hit, 
but how sustainably you're able to do that. And so for us in property, as an example, in 2011, so just before I went to Rwanda, I um, had also been to a couple of property meets. And what I used to have to do was drive to Birmingham and set up the room and do the name tags and, and sit at the desk because at the time, the ridiculousness of, of this is, is just just ridiculous. Um, I didn't have enough money to buy the ticket for the property meet, but I knew oh. the lady who ran the meet and she said, look, I'll tell you what, it's only 20 quid. Um, she said, I'll tell you what, what we'll do. If you come in and help us set up and do the room and get the speakers sorted and um, you know name badges and all of that kind of cool stuff, um, you can obviously sit in the property meet and that, you know, would you want to do something like that? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely all up for that. So I drive to Birmingham uh, one, one Tuesday every month. And I heard about these things. I heard about two things, actually. One month I heard about uh, HMOs and the other, next month I heard about lease options. And kind of the month that I heard about HMOs, I thought, well, I, I don't have any properties to, to rent out, but my parents live in a property where all their children have moved out, except for the reprobate, who's now back at 33. And so my brother's room was empty next door to mine, and my sister's room was empty next door to uh, theirs. And I love my parents to pieces. They have just been so supportive. Anyway, so I get back from this Birmingham property meet, <laughs> and uh, I put up, they told me that you could put up test adverts on spare room uh, to see the demand in your area. So anyway, we started by renting out my brother's room or yeah, my brother's room next to mine. And then I thought, well, I can rent out mine too because I put this test advert up, took photos of my brother's room. And like the next day, we just had 12 or 14 inquiries. And I'm thinking, well, wow. I'm not making anything at the moment. I was sticking lipsticks onto Cosmopolitan magazine for piecework and crayons onto Thomas the Tank Engine cartoons and uh, comics. And it was a nightmare. So I'm earning like all of a pittance doing this stuff. <laughs> And then on the, the other side of the coin, I've got like potentially £85 per week for the room that's empty next to mine. Um, so I rented that out and let my parents know. And they were absolutely cool. Let your parents Yeah, it was just amazing. It was like, mum, I've done this. Um, I hope it's okay. And she was fine. She was not fine when I rented my room out. And the reason that she wasn't fine when I rented the second room out was because she didn't have enough kitchen cupboards for the new lodgers. Uh, it was just phenomenal. Oh. Anyway, so it started from there. And what we've been able to do now, just returning back to that question, what does the human side of property mean? We've now allocated, my wife and I have allocated, um, I think we're now 3% of the property portfolio, 4% of the property portfolio in rooms um, to the kind of the Syrian refugee crisis. So there's been a central government mandate to, uh, as, you, as you obviously know, um, to acquire and source homes for the Syrian refugees. Now, my parents came here as refugees and like I've always wanted to be at the front of the queue for anybody else coming in. As an economist, I've been talking about this mass migration from, um, you know, uh, not very nice parts of the world to slightly better parts of the world for years, you know, and I think we're beginning to see that. Um, and so we've given, you know, a, a part of our portfolio over at a peppercorn rent. We've also given another part of the portfolio over at market rent to the same uh, to, to the same initiative. And it's just been really beautiful to do that. Um, and when you think about land, you know, we, we're also buying up uh, agricultural land for the simple 
um, objective that if and when we do get huge influx of individuals um, or we get huge economic catastrophe, like we want to be the ones that are able to say, look, we've got this land, we've got services, um, we've already sourced uh, potentially, you know, air conditioned tents and so on and so forth. Like we've got space for people to come if they need to come. And we're talking about like the extreme economic collapse. I'm not being a pessimist, but um, we're pre- preparing for that is, is, is really, it feels good. And then the third thing we're doing is um, buying up woodland, uh, again, for the specific reason that it will never be built on. And if we're in control of it, then we can in some way, shape or form uh, be not, con- not, not in control of it, but c- custodians of it. Um, and we're just Protected. about to buy some meadowland, actually, to create a new woodland. So I think the human side of land and property is about doing the very best you can for people, planet, flora and fauna, but doing that in a way that does not have you sitting in tears on your mum's living room floor because you've given too much away to the sustainability <laughs> of it in, in, all, in all aspects. <laughs> I've got that picture in my head now of you doing that. Oh, man, honestly, <laughs> it, it really happened. It it's really like literally, a, it is the perfect prodigal son story. <laughs> oh, it's not a dickhead story, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out well. My dad, my dad is oh. so humble and he's so... Um, amazing that he never once said, I told you so. I told you this would happen. You knobhead. Does that answer the amazing. question? That answers I, it perfectly. <laughs> more than answers the question. It kind of begs be a few our, more. <laughs> I think it might be our best answer. I'd say so. It should start giving is- prizes. That was yeah. brilliant. <laughs> What does the human side of property mean to you? Well, it means that we buy houses, we buy land, we buy woodland, we give rooms away, we, yeah, we, we fix the planet, we fix the, yeah. People, amazing. planet, flora and fauna. So, I wrote that down, yes. It's just great. Yeah. So, I think I was going to say, that wraps everything up. I don't think there's anything else to say. Well, that's... I'm terrified for your question now. What the hell is he going to ask us? I don't know. I'm thinking about maybe asking him what his question might be. Um, so before the podcast, we asked you to prepare a question. Um, and obviously Dylan was so prepared um, that, he's, that he's ready. So what question might you want to ask us? The question so prepared, really yes. has to be, um, you know, as property professionals, what, what's what's the end game like what what does the what how do you define the legacy so at the very end of this journey as property professionals or as wealth creators what's the legacy what sh- what does what does that look like oh that's deep <laughs> so for those of you watching the video version of this um, we'll get for those of you that are listening you're going to have to go and find the uh, I had no idea we were publishing the video of this, but my response still stands. <laughs> um, so yeah, just to recap, like, what's the legacy? Like, what are you doing it for? Oh, there's, there's a That's few a, things. Really yeah, I think, I think we're, we're, we're probably all will have a similar, but maybe slightly different approach to it. Um, same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me, and it always has been for me, is freedom. So it's, it's the ability to not have to rely on anybody else. So it, it's not, 
It, it's, it's, I, I think um, one thing that I kind of always would have struggled with is determining how much money I want to earn, what how much of a of an income I need. That type of thing it was something I always really struggled with because it's not really the it's not really money that I'm interested in. It's what I can do with it. So it's 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 having um, enough having holidays every year, having the lifestyle that I want, living in the house that I want to live in. So I started looking at that and I built a ten year plan to get to that point. But once I've got to that point, then or as I'm making my way to that point, then it's just like tweaking it and amending it and um, perfecting it as I go. Um, but for me, it's just having the freedom and not reliant on anybody else. Yeah. And contestant number two, what's your name? Where do you come from? What's your legacy? <laughs> Thanks, Scylla. <laughs> Shall I go? <clears throat> go for so, it, ladies first. <sighs> is, that where, is, that, is that where Niall well, went first? I think it right. was. Yeah, yeah yep. got it. Um, okay, so I've put three Fs down. Um, so family. Um, family was and family security and protection. Um, and a bit of self-preservation as well, uh, financially, was, was why I got into property. And I want that to continue on. Yeah, I want that to be something that I've created that just snowballs and continues to protect everyone who's in my special bubble. Um, freedom, I'll say, freedom is one of my biggest values, as is wonder. So, you know, having the freedom to wonder about the world and be curious, those things really matter to me. So property very much gives me that. Um, and to pursue what it is I'm supposed to be doing on this planet, which is not property. And I know that. And I've always been very comfortable with that. Property is the facilitator of that. And so it gives me that freedom. That's the second F. And the last F is faith. And it's faith. It's a legacy of faith for other people because as landlords, it's very difficult because we, we do get such a terrible reputation for ourselves. People always tire us with the same brush. And, you know, when you're in conversation with those who are not in the trade, they will have an opinion or an assumption or, and it's often negative. And I feel that doing what we do to the best of our ability, whether it is providing some form of charitable housing or if it's, you know, providing uh, a particular market with a sustainable, safe, beautiful luxury, whatever it might be, you are providing a service to the world and the community. And so that restores a faith in people that we are not bad, that we're doing this for the greater good and we have value in this world and we're contributing to this world. So yeah, family, freedom, faith. It's almost like you prepared that. I know, and it, it flowed. It just flowed like a river. It flowed. It flowed. Uh, it flowed. <laughs> the fourth F. Flued. It floated. <laughs> um, so, so yes. Um, in answer to that, I've got three Fs. Um, Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> I've got an F for you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, obviously, uh, it's as Niall said, very similar reasons altogether. Um, my kind of fundamental thing has been all throughout my life is family. I think it's the same as Joe. It's been huge. Um, whenever I talk about stuff, I'm generally referring to my family in some way, shape or form. And um, yeah, when I started in property, that was with my family. It was like the first few properties with my mum and dad. I've got properties with my, with my sister, my, my nephew's a property investor. You know, he came around on, and dud, dud, <laughs> came around and helped us get five grand off asking price. Yeah. Yeah. Off, off the deal. So, um 
Yeah, at the age of um, six months, however old he was. Nephew did that. You didn't give him the crutches from the footballing injury. Or something, did you? No, no, no. As in, like he was probably about six months old, and we just ha- handed this baby to the to the vendor, and you... just said, "Please look after." And they went round, and yes, so they they bonded, and obviously, um, Bertie gave gave the uh, the flushing of the eyelids. Very so, good. Very good. Um, <laughs> so so those are the family, and uh, it's very. Uh, but by the time this goes out, um, it will be well. I will be a father. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be about that. So um, th- that's a big thing for me. It's about understanding that you know that she has everything that she needs. That she has the education, the understanding, the comprehension of what this what, what this world is about, and what this world is and can be. Um, and I think. There's the second thing that I love is is connection, and the other thing that I've always done throughout my life is connect people. So be the person that's like, oh, I know that person, that person, just chat, and, yeah, yeah, and, and introduce people to yeah, to other people, and I've always loved doing that. Um, so you know, just being able to bring people together in many many ways. So when it comes to for example, like the big thing we do is, is HMOs and co-living and co-living. It's all about the community. Um, outside of that, it's about music because I'm a musician by trade. That's my, as, yeah, as a piano player, that was, it was all about bringing musicians together to create you know, original music, create great sounding stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm not the, the kind of musician likes just to go and make it up as you go along like we do in this podcast you know um i don't like to go jamming when i'm doing music i like to jam in this situation but for music i like to create it to be really well formed and say that the outcome is better greater than the sum of the parts and same in everything that i think you know i want for for the family um to leave a legacy and make sure that you know, what you say about sustainability is becoming more and more, it's going higher and higher up um, the list of priorities, especially when we're looking at what we do in the future with property. I think we've got a huge responsibility as, as um, developers um, and it is hard to be sustainable as a developer and it's something that we have to strive to be to make those little changes that will compound to huge results in, in the future. So everything we do is slightly more sustainable. Everything we do is slightly better than one before. And if we can do that, then, then we'll get there. And it doesn't have to be one mega shift. It has to be lots and lots of little shifts. And I think that's where we can have a huge impact. But anyway, I'm rambling. Beautiful. So taking the knowledge from one project to the next one and just that, is that what you mean? Yeah, no, no, definitely. I think that's the same for, you know, for everything we do, it's, it's those little learnings um, in the way that we used to do smaller HMOs. Um, we used to do... <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. The F word. For those of you well, who I really, are... I really, I really needed just to bring it round to that. So that's what you think about property. Is that right? Yeah, Fuck. exactly. <laughs> properly. Family, hold Family up again, helping your daughter to understand what the world can be and is beautiful with that, by the way, I thought. Yeah. Connection and, and knowledge. Love yeah. it. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so C-C-K. There it is. Well done. Well done. Um, hats <laughs> off to you. Uh, chain letters was my favourite quiz show back in the day. <laughs> I can tell. I love it. <laughs> Change the F to an L and you get... Ah, luck. Very good. 
Oh, that was brilliant. Thank you for answering. I yeah. feel a little bit weird asking a question on a podcast. I think it's a great format, actually. It's so nice. to say, it's a conversation between four individuals. Isn't it interesting, about? through all of those three answers, actually, none of it's about the bricks and mortar. Oh, never. None of it's about the, the, the 30 house development or the 27 story apartment. Like, none of it is about the bricks and mortars. And that's why I really, I think that's why Matt and I really connected before the podcast. Because actually, it was it was not about the bricks and mortar. It was not about the the, the GDV. It was not about anything other than. And, yeah. and I think Niall had it right in the question. Like, the, what's the human side of property? I love it. Yeah, that was really beautiful. Actually, well, it's really. interesting because I can talk talk about GDVs till the cows come home. But that's that's a tool. That's a means to an end. It's yes. not the end. And that's I think what I got from all three answers is that it's a it's a stepping stone, isn't it? You know, property is a stepping stone to a. a a bigger, happier, more fulfilled life that is allows us all to 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 give in some way, shape, or form. Whether that's giving locally to the family or, or nationally or globally, and and leaving something behind. I love mm-hmm. that. And, and there are those individuals where property, you know, is their thing. You know, like it is their focus and it is their passion. But for many, it's just a facilitator. And I think it's okay to kind of be one or the other or maybe sit somewhere between the two um and give yourself permission you know to be to be in whatever space you or choose to, to in be. property or not to be you know <laughs> that is the yeah, question <laughs> that is the <laughs> we could try and shoot with that chew on that into uh, our questions to our guests see how that goes <laughs> you know i think you've, you've, you've really touched upon something that i so i've uh, uh, i've been on I've spoken on a few stages, property stages and, and financial freedom stages and, you know, all of this stuff before moving into this kind of awakened wealth space. And one of the things I saw, particularly speaking on some of the big property stages, and then obviously being in that environment, taking clients on from that environment, is that a lot of people end up being quite... Um, confused perhaps and this is this is not not their fault necessarily but they're quite confused about actually what property is is it a financial vehicle or is it my vocation and I think there's so much in the personal development world about um you know getting up full of beans every single day and you know converting your passions into profits and um you know your purpose into freedom and purpose all this stuff like I think the messages are so mixed up that people don't necessarily um, differentiate between their um, what I call their vocational power and their financial financial power. Um, I don't know if you've, you've probably come across the, the wheel of life. We have our own version of the wheel of life, which is uh, split into two. It's vital energy, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. And when you work on your vital energy, then you can start expending your functional energy, vocational, financial, social, and charitable. And the reason I split vocational and financial out was exactly what I saw in the property industry is that so many people get into it um, for the money and either it becomes a passion or actually it becomes something that they ultimately loathe. And that's only because they did it thinking that that's all they should be doing. But I think you're quite right that you have to give yourself permission to say, actually, property for me is a financial vehicle that is allowing me to create yet one more stepping stone towards my ultimate legacy, whatever that is. And I'm happy to let that unfold. I don't like HMOs. I don't like commercial conversions. I don't actually like development. 
Um, and I don't like the process of buying land either, to be fair. Um, I, the only thing I really love is buying woodland. I, that's my favourite part of property. But I don't actually enjoy much of the other stuff. Oh, gosh. As long as I know it doesn't have to be my vocation, then that's fine, isn't it? And I think yeah. people have to be given that permission. It's permission. It's permission because, like you say, there's, especially with social media involved, you have to be showcasing your deal and there's you viewing the property and then there's you building your power team and then you're on site and then you're refinancing and then you get, and it's like, oh, dear God, you know? What if you hate those bits? What if you don't like it, but you just love the end product because it, yeah. it services that higher purpose? Like, what, what if that's okay? <laughs> the word I've seen from all three, it gives you that freedom. You know, the only thing, actually, if I'm, if I'm really um, honest with myself and, and my wife and, and, and you, actually the only... And the listeners. I, yeah, it's the, this is confession time now. Um, the only thing that's really given us freedom to think about what we want to do, particularly during this period in COVID, we, we decided that actually... Um, this period we wanted to look back on this period and look back on it with a sense of like we gave the most this period for us was a period of giving um, and if we didn't give the most that we would ever give in our lifetime we set up the infrastructure to give the most and, and what I mean by that is you know we've now um, I think in the last month we've delivered something like personally but 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 through the mechanism 14,600 days of solar lighting um, and we've done I've done a 13-week coaching program um, exactly around vital and functional energy for our community totally free and my wife's done loads of similar stuff and we've been able to um, not worry about revenue not worry about where the next paycheck's coming from not worry about any of that other stuff because those early room rentals um, those early lease options allowed us to from a place of having no money and this this property i'm in right now was our first marital home and we're just out of the five-year fixed period now and the idea was always that um you know keep it for five years and as our own home and then find the family home and we've been so blessed that we've, we've been able to do that we've just um completed just before lockdown on a grade two listed georgian Ooh just piece of amazingness is all I can really describe it. I love it so much. Um, and it's just, it's just beautiful. It's, oh, anyway, I feel very blessed, but it's property that gave us the freedom to take our lives in that direction. And giving's always been important to us, but actually having nice shit has always been important to us as well. Oh um, yes, we love nice shit. Property. I think you have to, I think you can. I was just writing a piece this morning around, um, I, I truly believe you can have it all. You can have your cake, you can eat it, and you can share the fucking thing. So there's no, you don't have to be compromising. You don't have to be holding back on what you strive for, what you strive to give, what you strive to keep, what you strive to have as impact or as legacy. I truly believe as gluttonous bastards, we can have it all. Um, you can rub it over your body and your face yeah. if you want to. <sighs> Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's for a, right? different, kind of, that's for a different kind of podcast. Um, <laughs> but certainly you can do that. And I, and I truly believe that if, if you just let go of the, um, the, the, the sexiness that you're supposed to have with property, the fact that you have to go on social media and tell everybody now you're a property investor, the fact that you have to be the one shining in all the groups, um, the fact that you have to somehow work your way up from a two grand course to a 20 grand one-to-one -one mentorship. If you just let go of all that shit and say, 
actually, I'm going to use one or two strategies with one or two exit types. I'm just going to scale that and I'm not going to fall in love with it, but I'm going to fall in love with the outcome. And I might not jump out of bed every single morning whilst I'm building my portfolio. I might not be thoroughly impressed with walking into properties that have got rats flying around them, but actually I know it's a stepping stone and I know it's going to buy me some freedom at some stage in the future. I think that 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 is another aspect of the human side of a of a property investor, isn't it? Surely, that's exactly why we set up the podcast. You know, because these are the conversations that you end up having with people more often than not. Because it's very rarely about the numbers on a deal, the rocky that you're getting, you know, the location of the deal, you know, the the sourcing of the property. It's never about that. What you're moaning about, or what you're sharing, or enjoying with other people, is this human element. You know, the outcome, the the challenges, the um, the wins, the losses, the celebrations, that all of this stuff. This is what it's all about. And you've summarised it beautifully. Thank you. Property is the widget, right? Oh, widget. Love that word. That's going down (laughs) on the notepad. (laughs) Hashtag widget. Hashtag hashtag property widget. Property widget. I love what you said about social media. I've just done a webinar on this about, you know, everyone says, oh, should I go on social media if I'm a property investor? The answer is, unless it's your absolute passion, you're living and breathing it, or it serves a purpose and it adds to your business. No, don't do it because it's just one more thing to do and it's a hole you end up going down this this dark spiral if you're not careful yes and it needs to be used in a positive way and i think a lot of people are using it in a very negative way Um, Mm. so it has to be used very very positively and i'm not on there very often at all and i berate myself i need to get on there more i need to get on there more yes Uh, but actually we we see it as a it is a tool for getting yeah. our message across and, right. um, so we write content and that content goes out throughout these um, the, these channels uh, but I'm not going to sit there every day you know talking on other people's posts challenging them about what they're doing telling them they're getting it wrong or getting them they're getting it right it's like well you know just this is what we do love it or hate it and that's it adds that's value right. you'll get something from it if not move on to the next profile right like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i think as I, I and again i think it's slightly different in terms of whether you are serving the property industry as you are doing or yeah. whether you are a property in, and i know that you guys do both obviously um but there's a lot of people who just i guess a little like me who have you know our um we we have a, a model at legacy makers that we teach which is the money multiplier model. And in essence, it's all about allocation of assets. And so, you know, one of the things we teach is how to allocate your assets across the liquidity spectrum. So 60% of our net worth is tied up in land and real estate. uh, And then the rest is split into other liquid and illiquid assets um, to give protection. Now, um, you don't need to be on social media telling everybody that you are a property investor. You don't need to be in the property uh, in the property forums all day. You don't have to label yourself as a property investor to build uh, a fuck off huge property portfolio and to give you the freedom, to give you the legacy. And I think quite often, if people were coached and mentored from a place that said, look, you might hate this, but you kind of got to do it because it's the thing that's going to give you the freedom the quickest. So you, I don't want you as your mentor or your coach to 
to, to be on Facebook and to do your first Facebook Live and to tell the world you're a property investor. I just want you to follow this process. And if you take on two properties a year or if you take on 20 properties a year, it doesn't really matter because actually, even if you did two a year for the next 10 years, that is a substantial real estate legacy, correct? And I think yeah. people want too much too soon and they get too excited about the financial freedom number that they are conditioned, programmed to create at the beginning of a Ten grand a month. course and they anchor themselves into this 20 grand a month passive income. Um, yeah. and therefore, everything that they are told to do after that in their hearts, it's like, well, if I do that, I'm going to get the 20 grand a month. And if I don't do that, I'm not going to get the 20 grand a month. So I better put myself on social media and tell everyone I'm a property investor. Mm. Yeah. I think you're right, Matt. It's a rabbit hole. And I think if people just understood that property, much like anything else is, you know, for most of us is just an asset class. And the reason for having creative strategies is because conventionally, property has and land has always been the domain of the lords and if you look at kind of feudal society you know the lords had the uh, the, the land and property and the serfs like us would tend the land and property and so property has never really been meant for us so if we want it then we have to get creative in how we finance it but just because you're now creative in how you finance it and you're learning about all this cool stuff doesn't mean that you have to label yourself as a property investor because there should be other things that you're doing as well. You should be understanding gold and silver, for example, and how that protects land and real estate. You should be understanding business and how that creates cash flow. You should be understanding so many other things. And one of the things that we have seen in our community at Legacy Makers, and we, we do exactly that, by the way, you know, we, um, we, we have a gold bullion buyers club we teach people how to um, create online businesses and everything that I've done I teach people how to do and one of the things that we've noticed is that those people who do everything they have some land and real estate they have some of their net worth tied up in gold and silver bullion and they have some of their net worth tied up in cash flowing businesses whether that's coaching practices uh, like whether or that's beauty studios like my wife uh, whatever that might be some cash flowing business Now, if you've got all three, you can ride out all economic storms because when the markets collapse and your business goes to shit, actually your bullion value has gone up. When your property value collapses, well, actually the gold is going to protect you. And there's this kind of inherent protection in having assets across the liquidity spectrum, allocation. But what you find is people who um, come into property wanting it, expecting it, hoping for it to be their, their, their ticket to freedom and the one they're going to do forever ever, and the one they're going to love forever. They don't focus their minds on anything else. And therefore, they become actually really dangerously, dangerously exposed. Exposed, yeah. yeah. One yeah. strategy. Too reliant on one income source. Yeah, precisely. And, and what, what is, personally, and we've already seen, you would have been better off relying on one income source from a job during this period, <laughs> right? Income source, which is HMOs or service accommodation or whatever it might be. Yep. Uh, I don't think that I think that there is a massive gap in property education because I feel and look, I've worked with some of the the biggest names in the industry, and I don't say that to to to, to brag at all. I say that to, to help everybody understand that I'm not discrediting these individuals because I've been on stage with them. I've joint ventured with them. I've been invited to their retreats to go and do the wealth piece for them. So a lot of these guys are my friends, but 
most of them don't come from a, a financial background. They don't come from an economics background. They don't understand necessarily the interplay between markets and land and real estate and bullion and stocks and business and cash flow. They, they, they know property. And for them, it's been a, a real um, uh, golden egg, a uh, golden goose, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But maybe they don't understand the interplays. And so therefore those interplays aren't then taught to their students. And that's where I come in, you know, uh, uh, to a larger or lesser extent. I must admit, I mean, we, we all come from the same uh, sort of educational, we're alumni of uh, one particular uh, organisation. And I, I do feel very grateful, actually, that they did, you know, they did cover, she, uh, Jill Fielding, we had her on actually on the last episode. She's, she's uh, you know, ex-CEO of, you know, God knows what, but she's always been super clear that you have what's called the wealth motorway. And you've got those three lanes, you know, you've got, um, you know, property, you've got shares, you've got business, and then you've got your service station, which is more the personal development stuff and all the rest of it. And, you know, even though the formal route that we took was one lane of that motorway, which was property, it does lead on to other things. But you're right, if you don't, if you don't understand about diversifying your investments, you are literally putting all of your investment eggs in one basket. And if that basket ruptures or cracks, it's just scrambled eggs. You're screwed. You know, you can't... Your personal home to get the deposit down on your first property and you're going for as much leverage as you can and you're borrowing 25% deposit off an investor from Facebook and then using that deposit to then go and borrow the next 75. So as an individual, you're 100% leveraged on the development. It's fucking crazy. Um, And Mm. Jill Fielding, actually, funnily enough, she was one of the speakers at the property meet back in 2011. And she said something to me that I've that I think shaped my approach to property, um, which was get the money sorted and then do what you really love. Um, And I can't remember whether she'd already set up Fielding Financial at that stage or whether she was in the early days of it, but certainly she was there, she was talking about, I think she'd she'd been invited there as somebody that was on the, was she been on the Secret Millionaire perhaps? Yeah, Yeah. she did, yeah. yeah. Result of something cool that she'd done. So really resonated with, with my kind of values. And this is the thing I remember from Jill, get the money sorted so that you can do what you really love. And that was before I'd rented out a single room, taken on a single lease option, um, you know, used up a single one of my mum's kitchen cupboards. (laughs) That set the tone. Um, And I think that's what we have to set for everybody else to say 99% of individuals in property are not going to fall in love with the bricks and mortar, the land value, the GDV, the borrowing, the stress, the headache, and you don't have to fall in love with it. But what you do have to do is work your backside off to build the, 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 the portfolio, because that's the quickest route, I feel, to freedom in all its ways. Freedom to do what you want, to be who you want, to give what you want, um, and, and freedom to leave the legacy that's important to you. Amen. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that, yeah, everything you said just it's just resonates with what we do and what we stand for and how we operate. So it's yeah, it's on the ball. Awesome. And I think that's why Matt and I connected so quickly. I think. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. We're all singing from the same hymn sheets. And speaking of um, hymn sheets, um, let's go to the roulette. <laughs> okay. Uh, because so, that uh, makes because that makes sense. It totally does. So, Snuggler, would you like to do? We're going to have time for one okay. rapid fire. 
Um, okay. We'll just bring it back to something completely um, off topic. Please. So this is the deciding factor as to whether this episode actually goes out or not. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. So no pressure, Dylan. All right. Exam. So I'm my thing. My scrolling finger is ready, and I'm going to scroll, and you're going to say stop whenever you're ready. Stop. Okay. Oh right. Okay. Episode number 12, goal setting for 2020. Did you start this year or maybe not necessarily the calendar year with a set of goals? Yes. I thought you might. <laughs> <laughs> Were you expecting a different answer? Clearly uh, <laughs> not. Yes. What's the, um, what do I need to do with that? Talk about Just, goals? Yeah, talk about the things that, you know, well, maybe, I mean, you could, you've got the option. You can talk about the goals that you had or you can talk about the concept of goal setting if you want to. So we've got, oh, here we go. So, so on a screen for listeners, put it back again. This is, gonna, we, we talked about this at our tribal gathering this morning. Identity, beliefs, convic- convictions, habits yeah. and actions. So it was a triangle going from identity right the way through to actions at the top of your triangle. So discuss, yeah. what does that mean? Quite often what, what you find is people to, you know, when we set goals, what, what do we do? We set a goal that says, um, you know, I don't know, I want to... I want to be 73 kilos and 12% body fat. Um, and so then what you do is immediately start writing down all the things that you need to do to lose the weight, to, to drop the body fat, to et cetera, correct? You, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to need to do three gym sessions. I'm going to need to do two yoga sessions. I'm going to need to do 10,000 meters on the rowing machine. And so what everybody focuses on actions at the top of the pyramid. Yeah. Um, but what sits below actions, what makes actions really easy to execute on sustainably is, is when you create habits. Because once you've got the right habits, actually to go and do the training, to eat right, to do all of that stuff is very, very straightforward. And you don't have to expend your willpower to go and get the gym sessions in or to, to eat well and, and so on and so forth. But habits can't be formed unless you have real convictions about Um, yourself about the environment that you're in about the endeavor that you are pursuing you have to have some really strong convictions about getting to that end goal and what it's going to take to get there and everything that you need to do together convictions are then based on what you believe about yourself what you believe about the world around you uh, whether you believe in fact that you know a couple of these are going to distract you from your uh, 73 kilo weight goal or whether you (laughs) can get away with a couple of those that makes sense that's a belief like and 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 if you have the belief that says oh well it's only it's only one biscuit it's only one spoon of peanut butter it's only one this it's only one that obviously the conviction that you form is not conducive to creating the right habits is not conducive to executing on the right actions and all of that is fundamentally based on um, your identity so one of the things we we have a, a process Uh, We have actually a four-day training. It's called the Enigma Experience, and it's all around goal setting. And it's based on um, something we call the the, the Legacy Maker's Life Ledger, which is split into those eight powers, you know, vital power, mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional, functional power, vocational, financial, social, charitable. And what we do is run people through this exercise to say, in your mental power, what is the identity that you have for yourself right now? So mental, I'm talking about your growth mindset. How rooted in your growth mindset are you? What's your identity around that? Do you have the identity that says, yes, I could learn any skill I want to, any skill I need to, or do you have the identity that says, actually, I'm probably not sure I can. If you have the identity that says, deep down, I'm probably not sure I can learn anything I want to, 
no matter how hard you try to stick to the action of learning to play the ukulele or the piano or whatever it might be, um, you're just going to find it really difficult. Yeah. Everybody starts at the level of actions and not many of us start at the level of identity. Who do I need to become to be able to make that action really easy, consistently to hit my goals? Um, so yeah, identity, beliefs, convictions, habits, actions. Love it. I'm exhausted. That was so yeah. brilliant. Um, definitely straight into informative. I, I'm so sorry, Property Jammers. We, we, we gave you some hardcore, solid, amazing information there. But I think we'll let you off this time because that was bloody brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much. All is forgiven. <laughs> I feel like I've rambled and I feel like it's been a bit of a monologue. My apologies. I'm getting bored of the sound of my own voice. So. Well, so are we, mate. So we're going to wrap up the podcast now. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. She's not actually, because it is time. The time is nigh, the time is upon us. Uh, thank you so much for being with us, Dylan. That was an epic uh, episode. I think it's possibly one of Most my favourite to date. Same. And Niall, um, can, he, can we go live with this one? Did you pass the test? I think so. Okay. Yeah, okay, Excellent. you can go live. <laughs> yeah, so we will go live with this episode. Uh, so, But uh, until then, uh, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Thank you. Come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more. On Facebook, search Property Jam Podcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast. Or you can email us at propertyjampodcast at outlook.com. See See you on the next episode. episode.